Well, hey, everybody. Welcome to the Theomatic Podcast. I'm Craig, and this is a series that we're doing called Conversations in Contrast. And my guest today is Lindy Kofer, and I'm really, really excited about this interview. I'm going to introduce her formally in a second. If you don't know what this is, this specific series, Conversations in Contrast, let me just fill you in, whether you're watching or listening. Uh, the, the inspiration for this came from there's so many good things going on in culture. There's negative things going on in culture. One thing that's huge is social media. It's not going away. I do a lot on social media. I'm a digital missionary, and there's great ways that we can use it. There's some negative ways, and then some, there's some downright evil ways that we can use it. And one unintentional side effect of social media is that I think we're training a whole generation of people to view other people's lives through the lens of filters and yeah. highlights and all of the best. And it's not always bad. People are not, you know, maliciously putting their best face forward. It's it's cool. But what we're doing, I think, is training people because we all know the pain and the brokenness that, that I have, but I'm seeing everybody else's success stories. And so I think that sometimes a generation is thinking, well, I can never be used like that because I have brokenness. Mm -hmm. And so put it like this, Lindy, is like uh, maybe if a 16-year-old rolled up to King David when he's at his prime, then he's king and he has the castle and he has all the stuff. And, and he's like, yeah, but look at you. Like, you have it all. Your life's amazing. And then, and then he says, well, yeah, but you have no idea that I ran for 15 years Yeah, for my life. And I lived in torment. So let me tell you about that. So we just have found that most people that are doing great things for God and building the kingdom of God are not there because their life has just always been perfect, mm -hmm. but because there's a making of a man or a woman of God in the kingdom through sorrow, suffering, sometimes even the dark night of the soul. And uh, and sometimes it's dark things and pain that God's brought us through, and sometimes we're still going through it. And so I know that that's true about me, and sometimes people get a little three-minute or 15-minute or 60-minute clip of my life, but they don't see all that I really go through. And mm -hmm. so I wanted to pull back the curtain on pain and so let me introduce to you uh, our guest today. Lindy, if it's okay with you, this is the way I've been kind of introducing all of the guests is I know you have probably could, could have, if you don't have a, a really long curated bio <laughs> that's full of all the accolades. And But I, I want to just introduce you from the perspective of maybe how not a friend would know you, not somebody that, that rolls close with you, but maybe some somebody that just sees you online or mm -hmm. sees you at a conference or uh, you listens to an album and, you know, just a quote-unquote normal person, how they might view your life from afar. And uh, so this is what I see. I remember listening to your first album in when it first came out in 2016. I think that was your first album, yeah, the yeah. whitish one. Yep. You had a different last name then. Yeah. <laughs> and... Uh, <laughs> And I remember those songs. We would play some of those songs in the prayer room and, wow. uh, at our young adult gathering. And, um, and so that's how I first heard about you. And then over the last few years, I've, I've seen you more. Man, it seems to me like you're you're traveling all over the place now. You're working with the Send. You're always you've been doing like these collaborations with some of the biggest worship teams and churches in the in the world. Jesus Culture, and uh, I don't know if you've done anything with Upper Room. I think Alyssa. And man, so like you're a musical artist that has actual albums <laughs> you're uh, you're traveling you're standing on some of the biggest stages you're with circuit riders mm -hmm. an amazing beautiful ministry that is is uh nationwide and um based here in southern california yeah. which oh by the way if you hear some background noise for everybody that's watching or maybe listening we're sitting right now in shalom 
the mobile podcast studio, which is really Let's just go. a camper. <laughs> Let's go. So we've got the AC on and cars driving by. And so if you hear background noise, this is just a, we're traveling from Seattle to San Diego interviewing people. So, so awesome. forgive us on the background noise, but this is a camper. Um, so Lindy, what I see from afar is just like some of the greatest success in the kingdom, especially in regards to leading people in worship. And, mm-hmm. and I want to just also add this, and I haven't done this for a lot of people, but I feel compelled for you. There's, there's mu- musical ability, then there's gifting, then there's anointing. And there's a, definitely a difference between anointing and musical ability. Mm. But you know what? I also think there's a step further, and that's intimacy with God. Mm. And I just want to commend you and say, that I don't know, really know you. We don't really know you, but I, I can tell. And what overflows out of you is not just anointing, but I could tell you have intimacy with the Holy Spirit, mm. because we've all seen a lot of <laughs> worship leaders that are good at music mm-hmm. and putting on a performance, and that's a big difference between somebody that's overflowing from intimacy with the Holy Spirit. And so mm. I just want to say thank you. Um, sorry, there's a bug flying around. It's, it's the it's a camper. Moment. I know. It's like I'm right here. <laughs> so anyway, you're anointed. You're powerful. Thank you're you're you. leading wow. massive stages. And uh, that's what I see from afar. Wow. And so I could see that it'd be really easy for somebody to say, man, she's so powerful and anointed. I could never be like that. I've got a young daughter right in the other room that is just starting to lead worship. And I wonder if as she starts to see people like you, if she thinks, well, I can never be used by God like that. And so, um, again, I'm sure that there's more to your bio and all that, but it's just like God's using you in an amazing way. And so what I'm wondering is if has everything just been super easy in your life, smooth? Has God just kind of laid this path of success on a golden or silver platter for you? Or (laughs) have you gone through some struggle, some pain, a process in becoming a tool in God's hand. And so unless the former is true, if the latter is true, then would you tell us about one of the hardest things or a season of pain that you've been through in your life? Yes. I'd be honored because it is so interesting how, you know, the world, because of social media, gets to see, we all know this, the highs. Yeah. And every now and then you might post a picture of yourself cry, like hard day, but really, I don't even think I've ever done that, you know. So I love this creating space to really talk about it because it's important because it's like, how else, how else are we going to overcome the plague of comparison? Right. No, it's a plague. And we just compare ourselves constantly thinking, man, look at their highs. Look at what's happening. You don't know someone's story. You don't know what they've gone through. And I would love to share. And I want to just start with saying like, even in the worship world, I, I had a, you know, the Lord spoke to me about a year ago and really convicted me even of judging other worship leaders. Because he was like, you're thinking so highly of yourself that you think you can put the gavel in your hand and judge other people. You don't know anyone's what's going on behind the closed doors. So in the same way we can glorify people from a social media platform, we can also yeah. wrongfully judge people. Because we saw one thing and so we don't true. know the so story true. behind it. And so we have to create space for this conversation because it's it's not even just the glorification. It's the 
I feel like I know you now. I've seen one picture. I'm judging you. I've made this judgment. Right. I'm not going to partner with you. I'm not going to work with you. I'm not. And it's like, whoa, you just did that whole thing off of one post from someone yeah. you don't know them. Anyways. So, yeah, I would love to share a little bit is, you know, and I don't get to share this a lot, but really I was born and raised in an amazing Christian home. Where at? In Oklahoma. Oh, so I was born and raised in Oklahoma. Okay. And incredible. Was it a big city or like a little, like I don't, I've never been to Oklahoma. Okay. I just imagine like. Yeah, yeah. You think of Oklahoma, you're like the plains. <laughs> yeah, and, like, you know. Little Cowboys house on the prairie or something. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So um, beautiful family. My dad was a youth pastor most okay. of my childhood. Okay. My mom. So like really you grew up in church. Yeah. I grew up in church. Okay. And loved it. And. Siblings? You know, I was, I'm one of five kids. Okay. Yeah. So, you know, I just remember being like five or six and when they would do like, you know, like the altar call, I'm like, oh yeah, of course. I don't yeah. want to go to hell. <laughs> right. Oh, I respond 50, you know? 50 times because I was scared it didn't work the time before. <laughs> totally. <laughs> totally. And that was kind of my context. And so I'm, I'm growing up kind of with that, like, yeah, I don't want to go to hell. Yeah. It's not hello. Um, had Bible studies, the whole thing. Well, when I was in like end of middle school, beginning of high school, I just noticed like I would just get really angry really easily or feel really like sorrowful. I mean, swarmed with thoughts of suicide. Really? But like I would have, I. but it's like the thing I know I would have never done it, but I thought about it all the time and it was just consuming. Do you know what the root was? Were you like, did no, something? Nothing, nothing happened. Nothing caused it. I ended up really? going to a counselor. I, I think I, I ended up confiding. I think in teacher or something. <laughs> Excuse me. So then, even my parents were like, because I'm one of five kids. I went and like stayed with my grandma for a little bit. Maybe that. No. And it was just like wow. this lingering depression and sorrow that would just seem to. I almost felt like, follow me. Wow. And when people would be like, "You're so joyful. You're so." And I'd be like, I, it was authentically me. I was joyful. I was like. Oh, even in that season you were. Yeah. Like it was my personality. But then I would just have these like, I'm so depressed, but I was so young. I, no one's talking. Mental health was like a cuss word. Right. And, At, you know, yeah. In those years. Church. Nobody's. This would have been like 2003, 2004. Yeah. Like I graduated 2007. So like, yeah, 2003, 2004. And just would have these like horrible I was just depressed. I'd have these like moments, you know, like of like hope or maybe I'm not crazy. But I remember even multiple times at night thinking I'll probably never get married. I'll probably never like really have close friends because I'm like not okay. Wow. Like I am constantly thinking thoughts of suicide, different things. Okay, so fast forward, you know. People start finding out, youth leaders, I feel this way. So people are legitimately trying to help, and I'm open to help. I'm like, I want help. What happened was there was this girl in my high school who was on fire for God. Like, I mean, the type of on fire where you're like, you're weird. <laughs> you know, like, whoa. Like, what? Yeah. Uh, yeah, anyway, so, but I loved it, and I started hanging out around her, and one thing led to another, and she was just like. Was she in your church? or a different? She was in my high school. Uh, yeah. Did she, but she didn't go to your, she no. didn't go to your church. No. Okay. No, no. Different, different church. Different church. Um, same high school. She's like, you gotta listen to this album. She hands me the 
Don't tell me Jesus culture. Oh, no, okay. no, no. It's before Jesus culture. Before Jesus culture's time. Um, it was the CFNI album with like, the more I seek you, the more I find Oh, uh, okay. Or like, until you feel. I love having musical was, artists on this it podcast. Was like, it was the like old school. I love Carrie. I didn't mean to say old school, but like Carrie Job, like her yeah. first stuff. Yeah. And like Rick Pino, when Rick Pino, Pino, he, all his stuff. So, and it was the presence of God, but I didn't have language for it. I also would identify the same thing. Like when I heard like, this is so funny, like let it rain would come on Caleb. And I'm like, what is that? It's the presence of God. Right. Different things where I was like, I had no language for what it was though, but it was the presence of God. No language for what you were experiencing when you heard that? Or yeah, like no I, experience of that prior, even if I can ask, even in your home church, like you had there not. There would be really... moments in my home church, even okay. as a young girl, I'd be like, "What is that?" Okay, okay. What is that? And I remember when I was nine. I, this is see, I love this because I would I've never shared this. I remember when I was nine, like I'd feel like all those thoughts start coming in. Like, wait, if you're real, why is there world hunger? If you're real, mm-hmm. why don't you just? pour down food from heaven? Why don't you yeah. just put water where there's no water? You start going through all those, like, what is going on? I remember laying on my trampoline, nine years old. We were about to go drive to Colorado as a family, and I said, if you're real, I want to see an angel in the sky today. And if I don't, then God's not real. <laughs> you know, and I kid you not, the entire drive from Oklahoma to Colorado, I was looking out the window like this. Because I was like, I don't want to miss it, just in case. Yeah. Because something in me knew he's real and he's worth it. Even in the midst of this like struggle and depression, well, we get to where we were staying in Colorado. And I'm kind of like, man, like, I guess this is it. You know, I don't know if God's real. I just said, send an angel. And the lady at the house comes, come here. I want to show you something. She goes, I just felt like I needed to show you this. It's this picture that we took. And you can literally see an angel in the No. And I just, as a nine-year-old, I was like, Whoa. what? <laughs> you know? <laughs> like, well, so there was these, like, seeds yeah. along my life where I'm like, now I go, oh, God was pursuing me. He was pursuing me. Oh, my goodness. You were there the whole time. So lo- a really long story short was once I reached, like, junior year of high school, I knew how to manage. Oh, sorry. I knew how to manage the depression. I figured, you know, it's like you get tools. I knew how to manage the sorrow, but it wasn't gone. I just knew how to manage it and not let it control my life. Okay. So I go, I'm like Hang this. Hang on, can I ask real quick? Are yeah. you like lead, are you like a student leader, worship leader of any kind in those years? Not a worship leader. Okay. I definitely was like, you know, running You're for You're the pastor's kid, so. <laughs> yeah. I mean, but my dad was a youth pastor, so even, and it was like a bigger church, so it wasn't like the pastor's kid. We were like one of like 50 kids, you know, that were okay, pastor's okay. kids in okay. at that time. Um, but yeah, I did like leadership stuff in school and I did choir, but in no way was I like, I'm going to be a worship leader okay. or I want to sing, okay. you know? Okay. Um, I did musical theater, but it's cause my friends did it and I could just like hold a note, but I wasn't like, I'm a singer. You yeah. Know? yeah. Um, <clears throat> so long story short, this girl is just, like making me more curious about God. What because are the, of, because the deep of her things fire? of God? Yeah, she's on fire. So I'm like, okay, this is amazing. So long story short, I told my parents, I'm like, I think 
I want to take a gap year and just find God for myself. And they were like, that's great. What do you want to do? And I was like, I think I want to do missions, like something with missions, something with going and doing something outside of myself. Not like I, I just want to go find God. So then a ton of people started, oh, well, you should do YWAM. I'm like, YWAM? What is YWAM? Yeah. You know, not knowing yeah. it stood for youth with a mission. And so then I, I Googled what happened then also before anyone told me that I Googled mission school because I knew I wanted to take a, a year off. Mm-hmm. And of course, when you put in mission school back then, now more things might pop up now. But in 2006, it was like YWAM. That That's was it. really it. <laughs> that and I think like a few other like frontier missions things, you know. So this will all tie in is that. I go and I'm, I'm going to do this DTS and I kind of know deep down. It's right out of high school. Right out of high you school. You go to Kona. I go to Kona. Okay. Kona, Hawaii. And I know in the back of my mind, like, I don't know what's going to happen. I could sense my life was going to change. But then I still had this, but what about this depression? What okay, about? So that's still lingering. It's still lingering. Co-lingering. I've in, just in kind of figured out how to manage it. Okay. You know, and and now I feel like there's so many more resources. So many more people are talking about it. Yeah. Then it was just kind of like, oh. Yeah. Especially if you're talking about suicide. Yeah. It's like. Or just oh, the, the, or so those scary. type of intrusive thoughts. Yeah. 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 And it, it, again, I couldn't explain. Like, I knew I would have never done anything. But I couldn't ignore the fact that I would have these thoughts of, like, I don't want to be here. I don't. What's the point? Mm. What if, you know, just the, these deep, just really sorrowful, deep sorrow. So I go and the third week of my DTS, so each week is like a different topic. Yeah. Someone's talking about spiritual warfare and I had not just heard it. Like I knew there was Satan and God, but the way they were just kind of explaining things and generational things and different things like that. And I was like, What? And it was the first time I had the thought, could I not just manage this, but be free of this? No way. I was like, I don't believe it. That would change everything. That would, like, that's all I know. Yeah. All I know is this secret part of me that some people know about, but for all these new people I'm meeting here, you're never going to know, unless we stay friends long enough, that I have this, like, depression issue so sure enough that week I was like well I want to get prayer and they prayed and um that same week was when Jesus culture released how he loves the video (laughs) so I was I mean even talking about it feels like yesterday because I was like no way they prayed for me and I felt that deep sorrow leave. And they're like, we're just going to break a generational curse of depression. I'm like, kind of what? And I felt it. And then our school leader's like, hey, I want everyone to hear this song that just came out today or like the day before. And he puts it on. And I just, all I remember was like, no way. I didn't know all the love of God like this. My whole context was really through the lens of not going to hell. Or I knew God loved me, right. but <clears throat> didn't have a real, like, revelation of his love like right. that. So right. I was like, oh, my goodness. 
what and i just remember so but these are two these are in a sense two separate things that are that by god's grace and providence are happening at the same time mm-hmm. though, right because getting a revelation of god's love and an experience of that mm-hmm. is is different than actually really getting deliverance mm-hmm. from something that left you literally and so god's bringing both of these in conjunction with one another which is beautiful he's like i'm gonna set you free I set you free but i'm gonna sell you up. gonna go and fill you up yeah all at the same time all at the same time and yeah. i will never forget like i was just on the ground and i think i got up like three or four hours later and that for me was like the this crossing over moment like even looking in the mirror i was like i see myself i'm like touching my face like is that me because i was like I had deep self-hatred. Like, I remember looking in the mirror just being like, I hate myself. Really? I hate myself. And having no one to really talk to about it, can, you know? Can I ask, can I go yeah. deeper on that? Yeah. Can you can you remember identifying a specific reason why, just in the sense of like, mm-hmm. a lot of young young ladies, guys too probably, yeah. I hate how I look. Yeah. Or I hate my weight. Like, was it that like, specific for you? Or was it just like, generally? I just hate myself. I just, why am I here? Like, was there something that in you was the bothersome thing? Or was it this thing had just done it all? It's just all all of it. It kind of felt like an all-encompassing thing. Yeah. It was just pretty general. Yeah. So you have to realize it was like really started at like 12. Yeah. And then when I'm like 16, I that's when I kind of start learning how to manage it. You know, now I'm 18 and I'm getting set free of this. And I'm like, what? Like, I didn't know. I didn't know this was possible. And then I had the thought, not out of anger, but how could I have been raised in the Bible Belt around so many Christians? And I didn't know. And it was like this game-changing moment for me. And so people are like, oh, Lindy, you're such an evangelist. I'm like, I love that, but I'm not. I just had a moment, and far be it from me, to keep back what I discovered, right. you know? And so, but like fast forward now. So that whole season, now I'm like wrecked by God. What is happening? Getting real revelation of the cross, Christ and Christ crucified, that now we are called. It's no longer, I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. Right. So I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. That became like my life first. Galatians. Still is. Yeah. I'm like, oh my goodness. So you can I can hear it in your songs too. Some yeah. Of your songs. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Exactly. It's like it comes it, out. It's, yeah. I I met the cross, and then I realized the cross is freedom. Me dying daily to follow Jesus is my freedom. So then you have this beautiful collision of Kona is kind of in this epic moment of. I don't know if revival is the right word, but just like a, a new season. Andy Bird, who's the leader there, was just asked to come and pioneer the House of Prayer. So this would have been like 2008. I'm like, what's House of Prayer? I went back on staff because I had such a radical, life-changing moment. And when I was like, as my parents, can I do another year of staff? They're like, yes, go. You are not the same. Like, go back and do this. So, so second year? Second year, I okay. go back. That's when the House of Prayer is starting. Basically, At you, Kona? At Kona. So, oh, so like... There wasn't a house, a quote-unquote house of prayer there before? No. But they were doing DTSs. Doing DTSs, running the schools. There was, like, worship services on, or, like, worship sets, corporate sets on a Monday night and Thursday 
or Monday morning and Thursday night. But not like when you see the house of prayer there that, I mean, I was a part of the really small oh. team that started that. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Andy Bird at the, that like leading the charge. And then there was a team of maybe like the original team that came and there was like seven of them. And then okay. we grew. And so I learned to lead worship in this small house of prayer in Kona. And sometimes with 50 people in the room, sometimes with no one in the room. Yeah. And then it wasn't even until 2011 I would even be asked to lead for somewhere outside of Kona, okay. you know. And what's interesting, though, is I'm, I'm on this journey with the Lord, learning how to die to myself. And because that's why I'm reading my Bible going, this is this is the gospel, you know. Yeah. This is it. So the Lord had invited me just into just some seasons of prayer and fasting. It was really beautiful. And um, it just, there were just some things he asked me for. Like all I'd ever wanted was to be married and have kids. And he's like, will you give me that? Even if it never comes back. And there was these really deep things the Lord would ask me in my 20s. But the more I learned the character and nature of God, I was like, you can actually have it all. Like, take it and there you know and it's vulnerable because I'm like man there were opportunities to say yes to a relationship that would lead to marriage and the Lord was like lay it down mm. and I remember thinking what oh my goodness okay but I'm gonna lay it down so then fast forward circuit riders is birthed this is all gonna weave together and I'm like okay I'm super excited the Lord speaking for me to join this circuit rider outreach out of Kona, which was, that would have been about 2011, 2012. So then fast forward, my husband's a part of that. We get married in 2016. Um, we are, and I'm noticing, I'm not saying anything, but I'm like, and I'm feeling that, like, I know what depression feels like. And I feel really depressed. Really? Every nation has come out. And so you get married and your first album comes out the same year, same year. Wow. So, I mean, it's so funny cause it was released under my maiden name Yeah. in June and we got married in August. <laughs> um, <laughs> so it was like, man, I probably should have put cover a little sooner, but it's okay. Um, and I start feeling these things come back and this is really when I'm like, oh, well, I really can't share this with anyone. Now I've been given this platform from the Lord, right. the Lord's using this music. And I feel tons of shame around it. Mm -hmm. And, but now I'm married and I can't hide it. So I'm just like, I have moments where I'm super shut down, super sad. And then what does that start translating into when you don't address it? Avoidance. Right. Um, you name it. Well, the beauty of marriage is that you can't stay stuck in those things, you know? So it was like God's gift that I was married when all this stuff began to resurface. Mm -hmm. And I just found it was like I had to overcome the shame of having real life issues. And it's like, because that narrative of like, well, now you got this platform, you got to be this super yeah. holy person. It's like you're talking about the person looking at people's stature saying, oh, I got to be that. I was that person looking at people's statures, not hearing anyone be super real about right. struggles and different things, thinking I've got to put on a really good right. performance now. Right. And 
I'm not. It's the exact I... reason why so many leaders and pastors have fallen because once you get to a certain level, now all of a sudden you can't have a problem. Right. Or it's, and so <laughs> if you do, whether it's an addiction, like anything starts to happen, you have to keep it hidden is what we tell ourselves, or everything's going to crumble. Yeah. And, then, and then hidden things grow and grow very terribly. Yes. And from what I had known from previously really being set free, I'm like, well, that was like a generational thing. Like I got delivered. Do I need deliverance again? So, you know, in seeking counsel and, you know, we lost our founder of Circuit Writers. It'll be two years ago, November 4th. Um, Brian and Chrissy Brent are the most incredible leaders. Like discipleship, the intentionality, like they taught us how to disciple people. So I'm also like, I have incredible leaders. I have incredible covering. I have an amazing husband. I have a thriving community. I, the Lord is like blessing our music and I'm mentally struggling. So now you're struggling. You're feeling like you should hide it. And then you're probably feeling guilty that you're struggling because, well, why? Yeah. Because look at all this. I got no good reason for it. Yeah. Look at all these external things that are winning. So yes. why am I feeling like this? Yes. Yeah. So what do you do? So I'm, I'm opening up to my husband and I would tell him like, Hey, like, I, cause I'm a straight shooter and I had no other way. I'd just be like, I'm depressed. And he's like, Oh, okay. Well, <laughs> that was like new for him. He's like, and I'm like, I don't want to freak you out, but I know what depression feels like. And I'm depressed. And this is going to sound so cliche, but it's not. And it needs to be said more. It actually makes me like emotional is that we get so caught up in feeling like we need to maintain something that God birthed. So anything I was walking in was because God birthed it. But in my mind, I was like, I worked hard to get here. And the Lord's like, you didn't do anything to get there, but obey me. And I had to unwind out of thinking I had done something mm. and I was taking the credit. And because I had all this pressure on myself, it caused depression. Mm. I had put so much pressure on, like oh. when you birth something, when you exalt yourself, you have to work to stay exalted. But when God exalts someone or God births something, he keeps it going. Mm -hmm. God had birthed so many incredible things, but somewhere along the line, I took it upon myself to go, I've got to sustain this. Huh. I've got to keep it going. And that pressure caught up with me, that performance, that religious mindset caught up with me and caused a deep sorrow. And mm. it was just, I think so many young people, you have a moment and God blows on what you're doing. Yeah. You have to be walking in community. You and I and all these things I was doing. Here's the area I was lacking where I went, oh my goodness. I neglected the things I did at first. <laughs> yeah. And no one wants to talk about it. I my husband, we call it, it's like funny thing, I was Bible light. And although I had some like great scriptures memorized, I was not in my word ah. like I should have been in my word and not, oh, be in your word. I'm talking about for fellowship with God. Right. That keeps you out of striving. Right. That keeps you out of pressure. That keeps you all the signs that I, all the things that were leading to my depression had everything to do with my intimate walk with the Lord. Mm. And I. I was too prideful to say it. So even if my husband was like, well, 
I don't want to, but like, you're not really in your word. What do you mean I'm not in my word? Why would you say that to me? Why would I, I was in my word for the last 10 years. I'm just taking a little break because I got a lot of it memorized and I'm really busy. Yeah. Like, or what happens, and this is, this is a word for young leaders, is you start doing a lot of things for God, mm-hmm. and you somehow think, especially if you're a pastor, or I guess a mission, circuit rider missionary, yeah, yeah. you know, it, your whole your whole day, everything is doing stuff for God. Yeah. But, but, but that doesn't mean that you're having intimate relationship time with God. Exactly. Right? You're doing stuff for Him. Yes. And even sometimes reading your Bible... For a preacher, yeah, but you're reading it to prepare. So you could get something for somebody else. <laughs> like, yes. So that's where I had to like, I have to separate my devotional mm-hmm. time from my study time because I'm a preacher, and I I, I caught myself I, every time I read it. Now I'm thinking, how can I preach that? And and the Lord's like, well, what about just me and you time? Yeah. So yeah, you got to be careful. It's it's cliche. It feels cliche even right now, but I'm like, but it's not. It's not. It's not it's because. Huge. The Lord spoke to me about, like, I think it would have been a year and a half ago now. It was exactly what you started talking about a minute ago of what is the difference between gifting, anointing, and storing oil? Mm-hmm. And I will never forget. It was like my heart broke. I have just felt the Lord say, Lindy, you can walk in your anointing into arenas and stadiums, and you'll carry your anointing but only you can buy oil. Do you want oil? It's like Saul was literally trying to kill David while walking in his anointing. Like the most dangerous thing is that we ride on our anointings and we lack oil because only you and the Lord can do that. And I paid the, my, what happened was when I neglected that, and did experience a, I mean, I, the Lord knew my heart. He only allowed like a sliver of favor to fall on me because he knew like, you're going to have this happen. But I'm going to teach you, right? I feel like he allowed this measure of, here's the thing, like if we're just going to really talk about it. I feel the Lord allowed a measure of favor with every nation. It was totally the Lord. I feel like this, the a sound of go and the great commission, people were longing, like, it was in the hearts of people to want to sing about going because that is worship. You're saying, I'll lay down my life, Lord. And he allowed this measure of favor because he, and, but I think he knew the test I was going to face right. that you're going to, you're going to ride the favor. And cause I know you and I'm going to teach you now. And cause I'm like, Whoa, depression is flooding in anxiety is flooding in Mm. all these things and i'm like oh my goodness so then i had this like revamp of like coming back to the lord i don't care if i ever do anything i just want you so it's like i built a altar there with god you know so what what was the process of the revelation comes i've done something and now and god god's done something and now lindy's like i just caught myself trying to maintain what it is that God did. I'm trying, I'm feeling the pressure now to like carry this. Got to hustle. I got to yeah. keep this thing going. Yeah. Yeah. So the Lord reveals this to you. So then other than just like an inner, like, wow, I res- I'm responding to what you're revealing and repenting. Was there practical things that you did to build that altar, to lay that down, to give it back to him other than like, I need to just pursue my intimacy with, with Jesus, read my Bible again, et cetera. Like, 
when you're when you're doing things like in your case worship making albums leading leading people masses of people like how do you go about what does that look like to say i'm i'm not i'm not hold squeezing this thing and trying to make it my thing or what i think it should be it's like it's you lord if if i go back to leading to two people in a little tiny prayer room so be it yeah or if i go to a stadium of 30,000 so be it how do you how do you go about that it was an identity crisis for me cuz identity issue i was find now finding part of my identity in this mm. so it felt like oh, this is who i am and the lord had to pull that back and so then practically what that looks like is i'm making a bible plan i need someone to keep me accountable I'm going to do these things to a, like a fresh, like put my heart before Jesus. Because when you begin to find your identity and what you're doing versus who you are, who God says mm-hmm. you are, right? These are all things that's like, well, no doubt, Lindy. Yeah, well, no devil. We all do it. Right. And can we just talk about it? Can we just talk about how we can be finding our identity in the things we're doing? And here's here's the measuring rod. And this is what it was for me. If the Lord was to remove that, would I feel like God was punishing me at that season? Yeah, yeah, I would have. And so I kind of had this moment, but then now fast forward, we'd been married two years now. I feel like I've overcome a lot. And then the Lord speaks to us about doing foster care before having our own kids. And we're like, well, Lord, there's a long story there. But at the end of the day, we were like, we obey. We will say yes to this. And so then we got our first placement December 2018 I found out I was pregnant January 2019 a month later so our two boys are 10 months apart so now I'm like okay Lord that was like for me oh I've given this thing to you because I'm have I'm gonna have to lay down a lot right and it was painful but it was also like I'm good you're calling me into this new season now, fast forward and the Lord said to do foster care. I was like, Lord, I'm going to have to get court approval to travel, to do anything. And that it was like the next layer of that where he was like, is obedience not the highest form of worship? Because mm-hmm. I was like, we're getting invited everywhere. Like you said this and all that. And it was that ne- it was another layer of come on, girl, come to my feet. There's an invitation for you here for intimacy. And it was like, that was a big milestone of like, oh man, yeah. Well, then what hits when you've got two babies is motherhood is amazing. It is so, it is otherworldly, right? But there is this lonely side of it that no one talks. I mean, people are talk about it, but I was like, wow, now here I am. Oh no! And then I begin to fear: Is that depression going to come back? Uh-huh. Is that thing going to come? So, back? Ha- so you're saying that that the second time it came back around, you start t- and you're married now, and then you're saying that you you felt like you kind of overcame again through this process. Yeah, yeah. And they, there was freedom there mm-hmm. uh, yet again. Mm-hmm. And now you're like for a third time, you're like, oh no, is this going to come back? Yeah. Okay. And then you start thinking like, am I crazy? Am I actually free? Am I not free? Yeah. And the Lord just began to speak. It's you know that verse of taking every thought captive yeah. in obedience to Christ. So here's, it's so simple, but for mental health, 
I went, oh my goodness, how often do I not take a thought captive yeah. and I let it run wild and then it's a year journey for me of, am I depressed again? Am I not? So it's like the internal battles I don't ever get to talk about of my own journey of what it has looked like to renew my mind, take every thought captive in obedience to Christ and walk as a free woman in how Jesus, what he paid for on the cross. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, that is a journey. And some people figured out quick, quicker than others. I did not mm-hmm. And so I, a lot of my walk has had this undercurrent of this figuring out what it looks like to walk in mental health. And then now throw in what it would have been like 2014 social media now is here. Yeah. Instagram. I mean, I was so great. I, I didn't have an iPhone until I was 23. I was so grateful. I'm like, I'm so thankful I wasn't like right. my teen years were on that. Cause yeah. I go just even the addiction cycles I've had to break from the, over the last 10 years are real. Yeah. And the addiction to scroll, the addiction to what's going on, what's, you know. The tendency to comparison. I mean, how are, how are these kids doing it? I, I Literally, how are they doing it? Because I'm 34 and going, wow, this is ridiculous. I was on my phone this much this week. That's not okay. And so now I've noticed where it seeps in now. It's like, okay, you kind of overcome these hurdles. You learn how to renew your mind. You learn how to take every thought captive. And the Lord, it is one degree of measured. It's glory to glory, right? Mm-hmm. But it is like the social media thing. It's been another trap for me. And I, we went camping recently and our phones didn't work. And it was such a wake-up call. I mean, guys, this is this year. After three days, I just looked at my husband and I was like, it's fake. My depression is not real. It's, it's, my depression is real, but it's coming from bad habits in my life. Uh. Because three days without my phone, I feel clear. I feel I'm hearing the Lord. I feel like I'm seeing my kids in a different way. And I go, if my phone is destroying my mind that much, we need to make some changes. You know, so like. I got like a clock for my room so I could like keep my phone down. Cause my thing was, I really just want to see what time it was. And so keep talking about that. Like there's like little changes we've made, but it doesn't change. Like I just, it's so, I feel like I'm talking a lot, but I just go, it's, it's healthy. I want other people to hear. It's not just this. The breakthrough is real. Every song I write is from a real place of encountering God. Yeah. And I believe that for songwriters. If, you, if it's not written out of encounter and revelation, it won't carry encounter and revelation. Yeah. You know, so everything you've seen is 100% authentic because I don't, I, if it's not, I'm like, I, I can't be doing this. Yeah. But I don't get to talk about a lot this undercurrent of figuring out how to navigate depression and anxiety yeah as being a spirit-filled believer yeah and like i said at the beginning uh, the the oil definitely runs out even through even through an album and uh so i know for jess and i we we see that in you Mm -hmm. um and and on top of that you definitely come off as a very strong powerful confident woman and worship leader all of that package is how 
how it feels. And I do think that it's encouraging for people to hear that at the same time, there's the same struggle that millions of other people have that don't also see themselves as confident and, and succeeding and doing things. And so it's not like it's going to be one or the other, or mm -hmm. if you're this way, you're never going to have that. And it's like, and so thank you for sharing because these are the unspoken things that people don't often talk about and the people that they look up to, they just never even imagine. And so I wonder if I could just ask, and anything else you want to add, you can add, but, and there might not be words for this. So, but is there anything tangible that you can give us from your experience of how you would take thoughts captive? Mm -hmm. Like, so good. You know what I mean? I, and I yeah. get it because in a, some, some, it's like sometimes it's like, well, how do I hear, the, hear from the Holy Spirit? Some of it's so intense. It's just kind of like, you just got to spend time, you know? <laughs> so I, I don't know. I'm just wondering, do you feel like you have anything that's like, no, I, I, I do this. I, you know, I don't know. Mm -hmm. I just, that, that term is, is biblical, number one. And it's so interesting to me. Like, what do you do? Cause I, I struggle also sometimes with just thoughts and like specifically yeah. for me, it's like in the morning when I wake up, I was going to like screw my head on straight. That's why I spend so much time reading the Bible. Cause mm -hmm. I'm messed up. <laughs> I just need to get God's <laughs> word of me. So like, what can you put words to that for you your process of yeah. like taking a thought captive or renewing your mind is there is there any way you could describe that totally so like for me it, I'll I'll walk you through like a real scenario Perfect. I I'm like comparison comes in all forms if it's not hitting you on a ministry way it's hitting you you're a bad mom yeah whatever right I feel like one thing I've been struggling with recently is this thought of like, I'm a bad mom. Am I a good mom? And the insecurity goes so deep sometimes that I'm like, oh my goodness. Like, and I'm like, where is this coming from? No one told me I was a bad mom. So you have to ask yourself, why are you thinking that? Yeah. Where'd that thought come from? My husband, God didn't give me a warning dream about me being a bad mom. Mm -hmm. He wasn't confronting anything. My husband hasn't confronted me on anything. My best friends haven't confronted me on anything. But yet I... Because there, there is a place for correction and, and rebuke. And 100%. that's a good thing. It's a but, great thing. But that's not... Yeah, you're like identifying, okay, this isn't. This didn't come, so where did this come from? Yeah, like I, I 100%, I remember it was just like a few months ago, I realized, oh, I just believe I'm a bad mom. And that's affecting the culture of our home. So I'm like, where did this come from? So what that looks like is, Holy Spirit, I take authority right now over this thought that I'm a bad mom. I don't receive this. No one has told me this. Beautiful. I just ask right now in the name of Jesus that you would rip this thought and sometimes rip this curse out of my mind. Right. And Lord, I just ask you to speak to me about the mother I am. Would you speak to me about why you gave me my kids? And the Lord will always speak to you. And then I'm like, oh my gosh, like, I don't even like to think, it's hard, if Parker wouldn't have come into our home, and we honor, you know, we are still in, in conversations with his biological mom of her getting free, and we want that for her, and even if she hears this, she knows I want that for her. We want her to have a relationship with him, but there's like, I know the Lord, he's not accident. 
It's not an accident. He's my adopted son. It's not an accident we got pregnant with Zion a month later. None of it's an accident. So you have to take these thought captives, not just to get them out, because it's me believing I'm a bad mom is going to begin what a seed takes root, roots bear fruit. Right. You have to also identify where's that thought at? Or is there fruit on the tree? Right. Then there may be a few rounds of prayer on that. So I'm not just getting rid of the thought that I'm a bad mom. I actually need to receive the kind of mom God's made me to be. And it is a mom that is going to lead her kids into the things of God. It is a mom that as the spirit leads us, like the Lord said, I just told Daniela to take your whole family to the sins. And that's costly for us. Uh, It just is. Yeah. In many ways, financially being one of them. Yeah. And we're support raised missionaries. So it's not like we're just like, yeah, let's do it. Yeah. And today a check came in the mail for almost the exact amount it cost for us to go to this last one. And I just, it was a reminder. I am a great mom. The Lord has said to take my kids. He will provide for my kids to be with us, to see what God is doing. And Parker, to some of his kids the other day, he's like, does anyone want more of God in this place? (laughs) He's like, lift your shoes up. (laughs) No, such a sin. Why we have been to do? I don't know if that's theologically correct. You want more God, lift your your shoes shoes up. But but I love your heart and your intention. But all that to say, that's one scenario. That's so good. Let's go through another scenario. It's like. Hang on, let's just recap for everybody's listening because. What it isn't is like, okay, I feel angry, I feel this, uh, lust, whatever. It's like, oh, thought go away, redirect. I'm going to think about basketball now. Like, there was a process here. You're like, you're asking, oh, where's it? What's the root of this thought? Where's it coming from? And then you went through a beautiful prayer Mm -hmm. of renouncing, accepting the Holy Spirit. Like, so, friends, you got to play that back and listen to what she said there because it's like, that's a beautiful process. It's not a huge process, but it's more than just like, oh, I'm going to put that little thought in a little cage in my head and thinking mm-hmm. about something else like there's a little bit more to it that can be f- really fruitful in dealing with this stuff yes yes the you other, give us one more the, yeah because the other big one for me that it would be a fruit of thoughts of depression or anxiety is insecurity right that to me i'm like oh man even right now it's like eniola she's sitting in here with us what god is doing in circuit writer music right now is such a gift we have and you guys met one of our worship leaders ethan there's like 20 worship leaders in our midst right now that I'm not exaggerating. I sit so many times I'm like, Lord, you brought a company of Davids. Like, please don't let me miss this. And I know I can't, you know, but that insecurity comes in where I'm like, Lord, am I going to make the right choices? Am I going to do the right thing? I can't make everyone happy. I can't, I, 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 You've given us this these beautiful people who are carrying your presence, carrying your glory, right? And so I've noticed in this season, it's like the enemy's like, if I can get her insecure, this will slow this whole thing down, mm-hmm. you know? And by say slow the whole thing down, we're not trying to be uh, anything other than minister to the heart of the Lord and minister to his people. And mm-hmm. that's the simplicity. That is the ethos of circuit writer music. We want to minister to his heart. We want to minister to others, saved and unsaved, with music, different expressions and styles of music, but all coming from the place of ministry to the heart of the Lord. So I've noticed like this insecure thought, you're not good enough. Mm -hmm. You're not the right leader for this. And I will have to stop and I will turn to my husband and I'm like, 
I need to pray right now. And it's just, who's your friend? Who's your person? I need to pray right now. And I'm like, Lord, praise God. I don't have to do this in my own strength. This is what looks like taking this thought captive. Thank you, Lord, that circuit rider music is not based upon my strengths, good ideas, but yours. So sometimes taking our thoughts captive is about surrender. In that moment, I'm like, I surrender. Mm. You've brought me here to lead these people. You're going to give me wisdom. I don't have the wisdom. You have the wisdom. So the other side of taking our thoughts captive looks like emptying out and Mm -hmm. going, I'm giving you every way. I've taken it upon myself to think I know what to do. I don't know what to do, but you know what to do. And all throughout scripture, you've given us principles and leadership, guidance, wisdom, and I'm going to lean into that. Um, and so I found sometimes when we need to take our thoughts captive or we let that insecurity monster, I like to call it, yeah. come in, is it's a fresh surrender is needing to happen, a fresh surrender to his yeah. will, a fresh surrender to who he is. Yeah. Because insecurity, it's a, it's a killer. Man. Yeah, it is. Yes, I know about that too. It's a killer. It is interesting how you're talking about it because sometimes we think to to fight insecurity, we need to secure secure ourselves. Rise up, hey, uh, yeah. rise up, stir it up. Yeah, but you're saying the exact up, release more. Mm-hmm. Yeah, God, I don't know, but you know, mm-hmm. and that's so good. I mean, that's the real like that's that's the deep stuff. It's like yeah. you know. And I think for moms that watch this, don't get caught in the trap. I want to go back to that. Because mm-hmm. the whole, like, you're a bad mom thing can sometimes accidentally come through other people. Right. They don't mean it, but you receive it that way. So here's the other thing. When we are in that zone, like, so I think I'm a bad mom, then I interpret anything my friends tell me or say through that lens. And I'm like, was I, did they say that because I'm a bad mom? Right. They said that because I'm a bad mom. I'm a bad mom. And my husband will be like, you are losing it. You're losing it, Lindy. Stop. Because, or like insecurity is the same thing. When we, in seasons and days, when I struggle with deep insecurity, I see everything through the lens of insecurity. So we have an amazing, like, music exec team helping lead circuit writer music. Well, if I'm insecure, then if someone's just trying to tell me, like, hey, you know, you communicated this way, let's try it this way next time. I'm not seeing that through the lens of healthy feedback and team. I'm seeing it through the lens of insecurity. Right. And now I'm like, they hate me. Yeah. And so it, it's like these, it's, I guess this is what I'm talking about that we, I don't get the space to talk about a lot on my behalf is yeah. if we can learn how to end the mind games, yeah, we will live in the peace that surpasses understanding. And there is a practical piece of surrender, 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 but then taking those thoughts captive yeah. with your words. Yeah. And that's that's been my journey. That's so good. Okay, I just had to do one more question before we move on because I'm just interested. Mm-hmm. Then it's for the other side of the relationship, for anybody hearing, what is one thing that your husband has done in the process that's been like, man, that was good? Thank you for doing that. And sure, there's been failures, but like, yeah, what's something that he's excelled in that that helped you in in the in the fight? Yeah, this will make me cry. This will make me cry. I think. Um, 
Um, have like, just be patient with the people you're running with. I think sometimes we want an outcome so fast, especially when we're especially guys. Yeah, and want to fix. Yeah, yeah. He has been so patient, Mm. and there are seasons where I'm like, I don't deserve how patient he is with me, because when I let these thoughts, when I don't take these thoughts captive, I start talking crazy. I start saying things that I know aren't true, and he just looked at me this look like, come on, come on. And I'm like, I'm so grateful for a husband that has been so patient with Mm -hmm. my journey of finding God, not just with my heart and soul, with my mind. And I feel like he could be really frustrated and really like, we're doing this again. And he's n- I've never heard any word or anything like that come out of his mouth. And yeah. it's been such a testimony to me of how Christ loves the bride. He's mm. so patient. Long-suffering. And I know that's hard because I know guys. I grew up with three brothers. It's like, I know that that is not easy for him to go like, I'm not going to let you down. <laughs> Let's just, you know. But he's consistent and persistent in a good way, but so patient and loves me. His love is not uh, conditional Mm. on if I'm mentally thriving Uh. or mentally not in a good place. When I'm mentally not in a good place, he takes it seriously. He's like, we're coming up. Come on, let's get, let's, you're in your head. And he has, he has said very kindly, everything you're saying right now is not true. Everything you're saying right now is through a lens of unbelief and insecurity. So I need you. Do you do you agree with me right now? And I'll go yes. He's like, all right, let's come out. And that's just wow. These are the things I'm like, wow. I wish I could talk about more and how. What does yeah. that look like in a marriage? Yeah. And if you're not married, like, yeah. Who are the people you can do that with? But yeah, I think for him, it's been. I would be curious to hear his side of it, you know, <laughs> but yeah. he's so, he's just so long suffering. Anyone who knows Chase, you're just like integrity. Beautiful. Period. Like Good on you, Chase. Yeah. Yeah. Just integrity. But, um, yeah. Well, thank you for sharing all that. Definitely a subject that is being talked about more, but still not, not that much. Yeah. You know, especially not on social media. And so thank you for sharing all that. Um, conversations in contrast is about two primary things. One is what's something difficult, hard that you've been through, and you've just shared about that. And the second, we always just like to end this these episodes on something awesome. I love it. And so, <laughs> I uh, I try to do some reconnaissance behind your back because the Bible says, "Let another man sing your praise." And so I was <laughs> like, "Hey, what's something that like is awesome about Lindy that she might not talk about because it might sound like bragging?" And so I texted a few people. And, and you, one of the things that came back that I wanted to ask about, because it is a little, I would, I, I guess it would be unique and, and, uh, in the sense that globally not many people are doing this by comparison and you've already started to talk, talk about it a little bit, but somebody very close to you was just raving about the foster, uh, mm. how you guys have fostered in your life. Mm-hmm. And so is it okay if I ask you about yeah, that yeah. and how you guys came to that 
And obviously you've already shared that then by the Lord's providence, you got pregnant almost right away after. Yeah. yeah. Um, but like, tell us about that. And, and, and how has that, that been for you? Now you have two boys. Yep. Right. <laughs> yeah. And one is, one's biological, one's foster. Uh-huh. And, um, and so don't be humble. Tell us, uh, because it's amazing. Yeah. And more people, we, we need Christians. Yes. To do what the father does, which is adopt. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. the father's adopted us. So yeah. Tell us about that. Well, I mean, you referenced at the very beginning, that's why my husband and I are actually really passionate about the send. And we're on the send core team is because part of what happens when you come to the day of a descent is we've done the back work to where if you say, yes, I want to foster or adopt, you scan a QR code and we get you connected with all the people you need to get connected with to get those resources and those on-ramps to foster or adopt a child. Now, I'll kind of go quicker here. Fostering, if you're going, I want to adopt out of foster care. Yes, that's pretty much ages eight and up. There are so many kids adoptable today, but they are what we we, we refer to as kids from hard places. They've been through yeah. trauma. Because there's a difference between foster and adoption. Yes. Those are linked but different, right? They're different. Yeah. So when you go to foster care, you're, the goal is reunification. Yeah. I want to help see a family reunified. And we went in with that. We want to see whatever child we get, we want to see the family restored. Our situation ended in adoption. Okay. Which was beautiful and glorious and also on the other side filled with sorrow. Because you do not see a family. We didn't see a family restored. Right. We saw suffering. We saw different things. And it, it just, for Parker's best interest, it was to be in our family adopted so then you have there's like adoption world which is where you're like i just want to adopt you find a birth mom that wants to give up her baby for adoption right and that would be what most people are familiar with like and so foster care is really this underbelly of our nation that is being talked about more but not talked about enough and i'm very passionate about it because you don't realize you have a system raising a large percentage of a generation Mm. and so in the church we have a mandate yes for the orphan and the widow but to disciple to go and make disciples of all nations that you don't got to get on a plane to do that you can that's your neighborhood that's your school that's your workplace that's like one of my favorite things about having kids now is we're in the community more because of soccer and preschool and we're meeting more families and i'm like oh i see it's like Man, there's going to be a God story somewhere. I'm wait. I can't wait. I can't wait. Right? You just start to live in a way of how. What's God going to do? How yeah. is He going to move? Well, the church. I believe God. It's like that John four moment where it says, "Lift your eyes to see the fields are white for harvest." Mm-hmm. I think the church is in a season of our eyes being lifted to see what's in foster care, what's happening, because it's not just oh, adopt all these kids. It's help these families. Help these moms before they lose their kids. Help wrap around them as communities. And I'm telling you, Care Portal, um, Safe Families, these are all, there are so many preventative organizations that are helping prevent, like, so a child doesn't even go into the system. Mm. We're helping their family before that happens. So it's one of those things where it's funny because I'm not as loud about it right now because I feel the Lord's like there's going to come a time Mm. where I'm going to ask you to be very loud yeah I could see it on this (laughs) topic and so we've kind of just been like let's 
you know, how we're serving that now is like with the send and other things. But I, I feel it like bubbling over in me. Bubble. I'm like, I don't know what it is, but I feel like my husband and I are just going to help be a part of connecting the dots. How many foster kids do, see. do you know the stats? In our... Like say in the nation. In our nation right now, there's for sure, I'm like, oh my gosh. In California, in our nation, I think it's like four, four right? 400,000 or something right like that. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Wow. Let me, I don't have my phone, but... Maybe one of you guys yeah, can look it Yeah, let me look up. really quick. Because this is, this is actually worth it to yeah, check this out. Yeah, this is out. worth it. And this is a subject we haven't touched on yet, and this is awesome. And so um, as you're looking that up, let's make sure here at the end I want to give everybody an opportunity to find you wherever they you want them to find you, and then let's share some links with okay, them. Okay, so in 2021, 391,090 children in the United States were living in foster care. Okay, now here's, we'll get you great links. Care portal, save families, but America's kids belong. Okay, it's going to blow your mind. I'm going to show you right here. So when we started this journey, we just started, we, we fostered through an amazing organization called Olive Crest. They're all up and down the West Coast. Awesome. I mean, they're doing Olive Crest. Look them up. In our journey, we found this amazing organization called America's Kids Belong where they are helping people see older children who they don't, they are, unless someone adopts them, they're in group homes till they're 18. Yeah. So you can literally go on America's Kids Belong and they make videos of kids. This is who she is. She's in the foster care system. She's just waiting to be adopted. Wow. Here's what she loves. Here's her favorite things. Wow. Could she be a part of your family? And most people have no idea. That's what's crazy. Heard of that. yeah. So you can, and America's Kids Belongs. That, that, that was just an Instagram page you showed me. Oh, yeah. There's reels. It's crazy. So like, see you see. Oh, they're, they're not. They're just a like home. a kid, yeah. And so okay, we have. We so have don't this, follow that. Yeah. I'll, I'll give this to you, but we had, we wrote this song. I wrote a song with my friend Mitch Wong called There's No Orphans in Heaven, So Let It Be So On Earth. And in the bridge, it says, we're trading our comfort zones for open hearts and open homes. Let it be so on earth. I think when we think about foster care and orphans, we are just too entitled to our comfort. And it's the thing no one wants to talk about. It is not easy. It's not easy to want to sacrifice, put your heart on the line and go, I don't know if this kid's going to stay with me forever, but I'm going to risk my own pain for them to not know a lifelong series of traumas. I'm going to risk my own comfort. You know, people go like, and I get it. Well, what about Zion? You know, is he, are you ever just like, oh man. And I'm like, what about Zion? That's my second son. Yeah. And I'm like, we're in obedience. Like these are our children. Even if Parker would have been reunified, that was it would have been the Lord's will. Like we, do you know what I mean? And so I think there is this, this crossing over that a lot of, if you go to other nations, you see, it's like if people are in poverty or they're suffering and they don't have a lot, it's, it's easier to long suffer with others. Mm. But I feel like the Lord is lifting our eyes like John Ford to say, look at this harvest that is white. It's 
right. Oh. It's it's ready. And I feel like it's one of those things where we've just not connected the information and the knowledge and the statistics are not in the church about this the way I know God wants it to be. Yeah. Because how many families do you know would say yes? Yeah. I think so many. You know, the statistics are if just one out of every three churches, not even every church in America, if one family out of every three church said yes to do this, we'd see a reform in the foster care. Isn't that crazy? That's crazy. Not even incredible. Not even every church. I love. I, you could see that you're passionately talking about this, just as much as you would music, and you're like the worship leader. But like, and also what I love is the contrast here is that you your gift is used for moments in front of thousands, but you and Chase have laid down many moments, days, weeks months and years for one mm-hmm. that's beautiful and that's a word for this generation that it's it's great that we're reaching the the whether whether you have one ten a hundred or a million it doesn't matter whatever flock god has put in front of you to be faithful to that mm-hmm. and uh and i love i love to see people that are reaching the masses that are also still interested in serving the few because mm-hmm. that's who God is. Mm-hmm. He wants to reach everybody. He yeah. also loves to just walk around with 12 dudes or chase after one lost sheep. So good. Wow. Okay. So the way that I want to close this, if you're okay, is I'd love for you to pray. Yeah. I think that you carry an impartation and you could pray about whatever you want, but specifically if you pray towards the the mental health stuff yeah. and maybe even towards the foster adoption. Um, but before we do that, any any place that people could find you personally, circuit riders, music, uh, you probably already just said everything you could think of with the foster, but anything mm-hmm. else about that? What are all the the things where people could find you? I mean, all my stuff you can find under Lindy Kofer. Lindy Kofer, C-O-F-E-R. If you want to know more, like, musically, circuit rider music, and then the House of Prayer of circuit riders is called Greenhouse. So you can And that is in Huntington Beach, California. Huntington Beach, yep, yeah. What does that mean? Is that open all the time? Um, we when have, if you go to the Instagram page, Greenhouse Prayer Room, we have every Thursday night, Tuesday morning, Wednesday morning. Cool. And then also we have our Monday nights, but our Monday nights would be like our church service, like our Sunday morning. Okay. We do a Monday night. So. Okay. Um, but yeah, one other thing I want to say about mental health is that I think it's worth saying just to get the, I had different counselors and things in the midst of this. Mm-hmm. Even recently I noticed because... I referenced this earlier because I don't want people to think like, oh, is counseling bad? That's like a thing that comes absolutely not. Right. Therapy and counseling, people, God has gifted people. They have gone to school to learn about how our brain works and different things. Right. I have done that all throughout this process. And okay. even just recently, um, I referenced our the founder of Circuit Writers passing away almost two years ago, right. Brian Brent. It's like a spiritual father. I, I recently just felt a wave of grief, like, like hit out of nowhere. So I went, I need to go to counseling for this. So it is totally, I just wanted to piggyback. That's I just kind of yeah. felt the Holy Spirit whisper that yeah. of when you're dealing with mental health issues, some of that could literally be, I remember one time a counselor said, let's get your vitamin D checked. Because sometimes when you're low on vitamin D, it can have the same, um, what's the word, like, the same 
symptoms. Thank you. <laughs> the same symptoms as depression. Uh, like yeah. you feel lethargic, you feel, and I was like, what? Yeah. Had I not gone to that counselor, I wouldn't have known that. I was totally low on vitamin D. And so I just felt my mom heart was like, yeah. let's do some touch points here as we're talking about mental health too, yeah. is therapy and counseling is as the Lord leads you, absolutely do that yeah because it has helped me tremendously but the at the end of the day the biggest thing also has been giving my mind to christ and what that looks like right so beautiful well thank you for all that would you see yeah. you close yes prayer? yeah holy spirit we just thank you for guiding this conversation i just pray right now for even anyone listening to this that has their mind has felt just in in a million pieces mm -hmm. and all over the place lord i just speak peace to the mind in Jesus' name, a sound mind. That's your promise. We receive that today in Jesus' name. And mm -hmm. Lord, I ask for those that have been stirred towards the foster care system, stirred towards the orphan and to see reform in this area in our nation. Lord, I ask that you would just begin to open doors and you'd reveal to people, you'd reveal to people just what their yes could look like. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, Lindy. And God bless you all. Thanks for joining us today.